2: You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Oilers Nation Radio, episode 118. I am Bag Milk. I am here with Nation News Director Zachary Lang, Nation Dan, and Tyler Remchuk. Boys, it is New Year's Eve. We're recording on a Thursday. I know this comes out Friday, but we're recording New Year's Eve. Everybody crack them, boys.
1: We decided that
2: we were going to do a little bit different today. We're going to do some recapping of the year. We've got some Oilers news to break down. We are going to wind down 2020 as best as we possibly can, even though this is coming out on January 1st of 2021. Uh, And as we always do, I want to start with thanking our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant Sherwood Park, Alberta. Go ahead and follow them on on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant. It is now the season to Dan's, are you typing? Yeah, sorry. Dan's got stories. Dan's got, got Dan's, stories. Dan's got the content. He's working on Always. the content. I want to thank our friends at Sherwood Ford out in Sherwood Park, Alberta, for making this all possible. And as we do every week on the podcast, we're going to start off with my first, my friend Tyler Remchuk giving us the giant question of the week. The
0: Sherwood Ford giant question of the week: bagged milk. We're going to look back on the year, and I mean, there was a lot of bad this year. But there was also some good. And I think it's nice to, at the end of a year like this, pull out some of the positives. So, focusing on the on-ice product for the Edmonton Oilers, what is your favorite Oilers memory of 2020? It could be a goal. It could be a game you watched with someone, a game you were at. Whatever. Your favorite Oilers memory of 2020.
2: I'm going to start with Zach because he's joining us because Rick couldn't be here today. Zach, your favorite Oilers memory of 2020. I mean, it's kind of hard because there was only a couple of months worth of hockey, right? But yep. I mean, how how could it not be the whole and Kachuk feud? I mean, it was probably the most notable Oilers storyline of, of all of 2020. Um, you know, starting out in January, and then we had the big brawl and the Mike Smith-Cam Talbot fight. I mean, that to me is what stood out the most, I think, uh, uh, this season. Hard to argue with that one. Yeah. Mr. Nation, Dan, your favorite Oilers moment of 2020.
1: Well, I, I think if Rick was here, he would be saying the Vegas game. Uh, us being down in Vegas was was an absolute blast. But for me, it has to be the few games that I was able to go to uh, with our both our Finnish friends and our German friends. The German friends especially – Um, It was a special time for them to come over and be able to see the Oilers in person. Uh, The Oilers social media team put them up on on Oilers Twitter, which I think was like mind boggling for them. But uh, yeah, it, it it was being able to go to see the games with our European friends, being able to see their first ever NHL games every time. It's just absolutely special.
2: Mr. Uramchuk, your favorite moment of 2020?
0: I got a couple. The first one is going to be my honorable mention, and it is the Connor McDavid goal that he scored on Ukrainian Christmas Eve against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I remember that because I was oh, wow. celebrating Ukrainian Christmas with my family, in, uh, and I'll use the proper vernacular, in the basement of my Baba and Guido's house, <laughs> about to eat some delicious put and we saw Connor McDavid score that goal. So that's a memory for me. And uh, in terms of a specific game, I'm going to go with game two of the series against Chicago. I had a little Oilers playoff uh, you know, cohort, if you want to call it that, with my buddy John, who lives uh, just down the street from me. He came over. We were drinking. That second game, the Oilers had lost, and we were both saying before the game, we said, McDavid's pissed tonight. He's going to be angry in this game. And uh, McDavid, sure enough, scored two goals in the first four minutes. Me and my buddy John drank way too much that night, and it was a grand old
2: time. Hard to disagree with that one. I'm also going to come up with two moments from this year that I think deserve some merit. My first is going to be that January 1st, 2020 was the start day for young Zachary Lang at The Nation. He is our our Nation News Director. I was very, very pumped that he was starting. We didn't know at the time that it was going to be the weirdest fucking year of all time to start a new gig, but... I'm happy to have you, Zach. You've done an amazing, you know, lot of work over the past 12 months. And I'm just it, I'm happy you're here, buddy. It's a good year oh, to have a news director. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. <laughs> Congratulations on the hundreds and hundreds of articles you've written that had absolutely nothing to do with anything newsworthy because there was no hockey to speak of. So I actually totaled it up and I've clocked in just under 1,200 articles this year across the network. <laughs> Like, uh, it is insane. So, you do great job, buddy. Thank you for being here, and I'm very, very happy that we have you uh, stolen from you. Calgary, and I don't regret it. But back to the Oilers. My favorite moment. I can't believe you guys left this layup here for me. Uh, Leon Draisaitl, 2020 Hart Memorial Trophy winner, Ted Lindsay winner, Art Ross Trophy winner, German Sports Personality of the Year winner. Leon Draisaitl. It'd be hard to think of somebody on this team that had a better year in 2020 in terms of just overall results. And that's a pretty funny thing to say when you consider that Connor McDavid is also on this team. So I think for me, Leon Dreisaitl, it's hard not to pick him as one of the highlights of 2020. Is there any kind of other, doesn't happen to be your favorite memory or player or goal or anything like that, but is there anything else that stood out to you this year? I'll start because I feel like this is very on brand for me. The fact that a lot of people in the nation started picking up on something that Tyler and I have been talking about for a long time, which is the Ryan Nugent Hopkins short side shot and selling. It's the exact same goal. It's the exact same shot. It's the exact same celebration every fucking time. (laughs) And I know when he scores it, I'm going to get a text from Tyler about it. And I'm glad that a bunch of people around the nation started picking that up as well. Is there anything else that you guys can think of that's kind of like that over the past 12 months?
1: I think the coolest thing is from Leon Dreisaitl. His uh, the league has kind of started to recognize this new move where he accepts a pass on his backhand and then immediately turns that into a shot from yep. the from the short side. And the goalies aren't expecting it because they have no idea what the you know what the next play is from Dreisaitl. But it's a thing that that you start to see from other an- announcing crews. So yeah, for me, it's it's Leon Dreisaitl's little unique shot there as well.
2: Zach, anything else that comes to mind for you? I don't know. I think if we're talking about players and and their skill level and stuff, I, I I'd be hard to think of something other than Connor McDavid and his, Connor McDavid and his crossovers. I mean, it's it's in a way it's so impressive to see how quick he's able to gain and maintain speed across the ice um, by simply using crossovers. And I think it's going to be something that we're going to start seeing a lot more from players in, in the years down the road, especially the younger kids who are who are growing up watching. Uh, you know, the Connor McDavid's of the, the NHL and then learning how to play um, through osmosis by watching them. Tyler, finishes off. Anything like else that sticks out to you, be it play, player, whatever?
0: While we're on the topic of Leon Dreisaitl, how about the Leon Dreisaitl reverse check? When a defenseman comes to get him and he just gives it the sort of, like, pop the shoulders back and shake him right off. Um, that out. Yeah, I, I I love that move from Dreisaitl. Another thing that we saw a lot of this year, and it's something that, you know, sort of came out in 2020, I suppose late 2019, the emergence of Ethan Bear, Having a defenseman who, can, when, when he signed that deal, and we're going to talk about it in a second... The Oilers tweeted out like a little montage of Ethan Bear goals. The way he can walk the blue line with the puck on his stick yep. is great. And it's something the Oilers haven't really had for a long time. Like it's not even a skill Oscar Clefbaum is particularly great at or at least uses a lot. But Ethan Bear walking the blue line like that, it's beautiful.
1: One thing we'd also be remiss to not mention is uh, the Yamamoto emergence. You know, as a, as a player who kind of, you know, we've had a lot of promise for him. But he just came in and completed a line that arguably became our best line for uh, for all of 2020.
2: Came up uh, like his first game of the year was a year ago today. Yep. Yeah. If you guys remember that wild, we talked about it a little bit on Real Life. Again, today we're recording on Thursday okay. afternoon. This is going to come out on Friday morning. It's going to be a New Year's Day release, despite us recording it a day early. We just talked about it on Real Life. Do you guys remember how crazy that New Year's Eve game was last year against the Rangers? Well, there's rough something silly, like 7-1 or yeah. 7-2 yep. or something. It looked like the Rangers were going to claw back and close it. And then YAMO iced it with an open netter, and it was just kind of all, all, well, all you, systems go from there.
1: Well, you can argue that that was kind of the TSN turning point for the Oilers from that December month where it was just an absolute train wreck, and we were just trying to get a couple Ws here and there. Um, to January and onwards where the team looked like they were going to be the fourth place or third place team in the in the Western Conference by the end of it. So, yeah, it's uh, that that New Year's game was a was a pretty big moment for us and again, it was the recognition of Yamamoto with that line of Nuge and Draymond just absolutely tearing it up and and the start of something special.
2: Uh Tyler brought up the emergence of the Duncan Bear earlier uh in the conversation obviously the news this week first reported by our friend the puckpedia written about by zachary lang was the fresh two-year contract that he signed this past week a lot of us thought it might be a one-year deal had no idea where the money was going to come zach i'm going to start with you you wrote the article first thoughts on ethan bear signing a two-year extension with the oilers that gives them a little bit of a bridge deal a little bit of money, and hopefully a lot of time to continue his development. Yeah, I think it's a tremendous contract, really, when you look at it. Um, hes I think he could have signed for, for double bat uh, on a longer-term deal. So the fact that the Oilers are able to keep the cap down at only $2 million in two years, I think it's a pretty great deal for the Oilers and for Bear as well. You know, It really gives the player the opportunity to come in over these next two years and really prove himself and earn himself a big NHL contract. And, you know, from an Oilers perspective, too, you know, there's a lot to like about it. Bear was tremendous last year. And, you know, we might see a little bit of a sophomore regression, but hopefully, you know, some Tyson Berry minutes can can help take some of that pressure off of Ethan Bear. Um, but I think it's a great deal for both the player and the club. And, and there's a lot to like about Ethan Bear and him being a long-term uh, player for the Emerson Oilers. Dan, what are your thoughts on the Ethan Bear deal?
1: Well, we touched about it a little on uh, State of the Nation there on Tuesday afternoons at one PM. If you're looking for something good to plug, hang out with,
2: good, nice, go. man, um,
1: real nice. We we were talking about the fact that he that that bridge deal getting him through next summer is going to be a huge thing for this team. We've got 13 players under contract for next year on the roster. Uh, Ethan Bear, of course, now being one of them, and you're looking at the Ryan Nugent Hopkins deal. You're looking at a Yamamoto deal. You're looking at I'm just looking at puckpedia.com to be able to make sure that I say everybody. Uh, Larson will become a free agent. Barry becomes a free agent, of course. Like you've got, you've got some moves to be made in this next offseason. And now Ethan Bear isn't one of those, which I think is, is absolutely huge for the team. Ken Holland's got a lot of work to do. A lot of teams have a lot of work to do to try and figure out the cap number and what that's going to mean for them. But for the Oilers to have a, a defenseman in Ethan Bear's style and Ethan Bear's caliber, already locked up for two years that's huge
0: Tyler you would be hard pressed to find an Oilers fan who hasn't absolutely loved what Ethan Bear has brought to this blue line in this organization in the last year and you would be hard pressed to find an Oilers fan who doesn't absolutely love this contract two more years of Bear at a reasonable cap hit if he continues to take steps forward in his development he's going to get a really good contract at the end of it And I mean, he's a top four D-man already, and it's great to see that the Oilers have grown one of these kinds of defensemen in their own system, out of a late round pick. Um, I love seeing Ethan Bear get rewarded with the two-year deal, and uh, I have no doubt that he's going to be an Edmonton Oiler for a very, very long time.
2: For me, the exciting thing about Ethan Bear is that, if you remember to the beginning of last season, I'm talking 2019-2020, it seemed like... Ethan Baer was kind of a guy who was going to show up to training camp, but nobody really expected him to grab a spot the way he did. It seemed like Caleb Jones was the one with his name written down in ink, as opposed to Ethan Bear. So for me, the last calendar year, calendar year plus, I guess, since we're on um, December 31st as we're recording, Ethan Bear's emergence has been such a pleasant surprise that I just did not expect. I didn't expect him to look as polished as he did. I didn't expect him to look as well-rounded as he is. I didn't expect him to be able to handle top four minutes the way he has. And like, I think, I think the point that was made a little bit earlier is it wouldn't be unreasonable to expect him to maybe even take a minor step back or stay flat as opposed to making a giant leap again this year. Players development is not a straight line. However, the thing that Ethan Bear does well is he's so calm and poised with the puck that I think that he's going to be able to buy himself time and get himself out of more problems than he creates. And that's going to be huge for the Oilers, especially having a player like this, like Tyler said, on the blue line on the right side that is skilled. He can defend well. He can accept a bigger role this year. He's going to have to. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how this plays out. I like the contract. I like that it's two years. I know a lot of us, especially on this podcast, we even thought it was going to be a one-year contract, maybe bet on himself go for some more money next year when some money frees up, as Dan pointed out. But it almost doesn't matter. I'm just happy it's signed. It took longer than we all thought it might. doesn't matter. None of us were concerned that he wouldn't sign. Glad it's done. I'm glad it's two years. And I really cannot wait to see what he does in his second full season with the Oilers. Dan?
1: Well, and it's a huge. It's a it's a real professional story, right? It's it, we. I think it was Jason Greger that had had him yep. on the on his show, and then did an article for the Nation and talked about. You know, here's a player that that recognized that he wasn't really you know, he wasn't really carrying himself in the off season the way he needed to be, to be the professional he is in season. And he figured that out, and he's really gone about changing himself. So it's, you're right, Tucker It's 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 a big thing for, for us to watch a guy that, yeah, he was penciled in behind Caleb Jones on the depth chart and ended up, you know, as an everyday defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers. So it's it's an awesome 2020 story to watch.
2: And the thing about Ethan Bear, too, is Tyler said it, he's got a skill set that isn't quite so common on the Oilers' blue line. He can walk the line. He's got a nice shot. He's got a booming clapper. I expect him to get more power play time this year on the second unit, provided they're ever able to get on the ice after the first unit. But I think that there's also an opportunity for us to watch Ethan Bear grow over the next couple of years, and that's going to be a lot of fun because, again, this is a fifth-round pick that has developed into a top-four defenseman, and that's not exactly a common story in the NHL.
1: It feels like cleft bomb, early days of cleft bomb where we where we had a promising young player that we thought you know we could see something special from it, we did but yeah it's it feels like early days of that kind of a that kind of a player for us well Beny milk mm-hmm. you know, you're you're
2: spot on there too in the, in the, in a way because how how often do you see a fifth round pick who's a rookie who's a defenseman step into the N h l and be a dominant player because I think that's what Ethan Bear was this year. I think at times Ethan Bear was a dominant player for the Edmonton Oilers out on the ice. You know, he made the players around him better and he definitely helped Darnell Nurse's game because of exactly that, the jack-of-all-trades skill set that he sort of has. So, you know, it's really impressive to see um, a young man like Ethan Bear step into the lineup and and be as good as he was. Uh, Just 23 years old, he turned 23 this past June. It is wild, though. I'm looking at his, uh, his his page on Puckpedia right now. This round pick from five years ago already. It just yeah, kind of shows, yeah. yeah. shows that it takes a minute, sometimes. Unless you're a Connor McDavid-type player, sometimes it takes a minute. And I think this is a nice lesson for Oethers fans on being patient. I know, to to me, this kind of reminds me of people getting really excited right now over Carter Savoy. But It's a reminder that, hey, it's gonna take a minute. It's gonna take some time for him to get here. And twenty one, twenty
1: two top left wing.
2: (laughs) It's gonna be fun to watch. And I think this is just like the Ethan Bear story is a lesson in patience for a lot of Oilers fans that I think we all needed. And I think about specifically when it comes to guys like Philip Broberg. Uh, you know, Evan Bouchard, both of whom could play games potentially this year, depending on obviously, uh, Broberg's going to go back to Sweden, but who knows how that season ends? Bouchard's got invited back from Sweden already. So we'll see
0: you want we'll see you want to talk about being patient. Uh, Broberg didn't look great yesterday in in the game against Russia. And I had people texting into the radio station today, multiple people, not just one or two. Broberg looked slow yesterday. There's no way this guy's going to be able to compete at the NHL level. And it's like one, one, one game. Leg. Two, he had two le- he, he had one leg. Like he was playing on one leg. Ryan Rashog told us that when he was or when Team Sweden got to the rink, every player on the team went up the stairs, but Broberg couldn't. He had to take the elevator up. That's how bad his leg was. Like his leg was. And other fans are like, "Well, another bust career AHLD yeah. man." And it's like, geez, it's been like, come on, we- again. Patience. I shouldn't say Oilers fans because that's painting problem. with too many. Yeah, it's a World Juniors problem, and there are just some people who are naturally impatient and pessimistic. But it's like, people, no, you're right. Ethan Bear is a great lesson that you need to, big picture.
1: Yeah. People were ready to write off Quentin Byfield after two games. Yeah. Like, it's the worry. There's a lot of overassessment from the World Juniors that, you know, especially like a situation where Broberg is playing where he probably shouldn't have been playing or Byfield's playing six minutes a game and people expect him to be lighting up the world. It's just silly, but you you guys brought it
2: up. So let's get into it. We thanks to our friends at hockey Canada. We have got a signed team Canada Jersey available for you to win. All you have to do is go to Oilers nation on Twitter, find the post, retweet it, follow Oilers nation and hockey Canada. And you are entered to win a team signed Jersey. Tonight, the boys play against Finland. So while this has been released on Friday, January 1st, today we are going to make some predictions, and I invite everybody listening to this to tell us how dumb we were for our score predictions that may or may not have turned out tonight against Finland. Actually, that game is kicking off here in about, what is it, an hour? An hour and a 30 half. 30 minutes? Yep. An hour and a half. So we've got time, boys. Let's look at how Team Canada has done so far. Again, this segment presented by Hockey Canada. Go check out the fifty fifty. Go to hockeycanada.ca forward slash fifty fifty. Today's, as we're recording, it's already over a million bucks. Wow! Not only is it over a million bucks, it's two point four five five million dollars. <laughs> so, oh, man, I can't wait to be rich later tonight. Absolutely, Zach. I Jeez. cannot wait to be rich, buddy. In fact, boys, um, if I Wouldn't win, when I win, <laughs> I'll, I'll buy you all something nice. Thank oh, you. you.
0: I, today, Low Tide asked me what I would do if I won the 50 50 and I said I would do the same thing I always do, Low Tide. I'd eat craft dinner on the weekends, but I'd do it with all sorts of fancy ketchups. And he didn't get—he didn't get the reference. And I was very disappointed in that. So I wanted to get it out to an audience that would hopefully understand the reference. Should have hit
2: him with the office. Him there. Gentlemen, Canada, Finland, today. The reason I want to talk about this today, and again, we're recording on Thursday. It's two thirty PM right now as I'm talking. This is being released on Friday. We're looking at Finland to me. To me, this is, and I mean, this is the obvious thing to say. This is the easily the hard, the the most difficult team the the team Canada faced so far. A lot of people have been complaining about the sixteen two win over Germany, over the the dismantling of Switzerland the other night. How do you guys think that those types of games factor into a tougher matchup tonight against Team Finland? Tyler, I'm going to start with you. You wrote the preview today at OilersNation.com. Yeah. What's your first take on Team Finland against Canada today?
0: In this scenario, it could not have been more perfect that Canada started their tournament off with a very soft schedule. In, in other years, I kind of like when Boxing Day is a big matchup for Canada because it's like, bang, you're intense right off the bat. You're getting, you know, you're, you're kind of... You're getting the juices flowing early in the tournament. But for Canada, getting three games to ease yourself into things in a year where most of your players have not played a competitive hockey game in a while outside of the red and white inter squad games, it is perfect that they got a chance to play one game against Russia pre-tournament, ease into things against a Germany team that was just so beaten down with the COVID stuff, got to play Slovakia. They pushed you a little bit, gave you a wake-up call, Dismantle Switzerland and it looks like they're playing their best hockey heading into a stretch of games that are findingly meaningful. I think it was a perfect schedule set up for Team Canada, and I do honestly think, as I said in my pregame thing, they're playing their best hockey heading into this game tonight against Finland. They got four lines that are all playing well. Drysdale and Byram on the blue line look just absolutely terrific. They look like they're going to be future top-pairing D-men right now. I know it's the World Juniors, and you shouldn't make, shouldn't say statements like that after watching a few games, but they look incredible. The big question mark for me is between the pipes. Devin Levi's been really, really good, and he's made some tough saves, to be fair to him, but it's not the same as when a team is suddenly going to hem Canada into their zone for two minutes, potentially, and he's going to have to make three or four saves in a row. Like, that could happen against Finland, so I'm interested to see that if he's pushed a little more, how will Devin Levi respond? But for the most part, Canada's playing their best hockey right now. Finland's good. They have some high-end skill, but they don't have the depth to match up with this Canadian roster. I think Canada wins, but it it's good that they're finally getting a bit of a push in the round robin.
2: We're going to get some score predictions here to wrap up the segment shortly. But Mr. Zachary Lang, what do you think about how Canada's performed so far early in the tournament? Well, I mean, they're you're expected to blow teams like uh, Germany and, and Switzerland, right? You know, and now we get the true test with Finland, and I think the game comes at a good time. You know, it fires the boys up right before the uh, the elimination games get kicked off, and. It's going to be a good test. I mean, I think Philly's got a good team this year. They're certainly going to be competitive against Canada. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. Um should be a good game to watch. I'm, I'm interested to see what will happen. Ken, what are you expecting for tonight's game? Well, I, I think
1: just to kind of echo what Tyler was saying too, and, and the fact is the, the Canadians, as bad as it is to say, were lucky that they had their COVID issues pre-tournament. And so, yes, they missed games against the Golden sure. Bears, and they, and they didn't get to have their full complement of players just because some players got cut because of health issues. But yeah, I think that the run up, the runway up to this game has been really good for this team. Uh, I do agree with Tyler. The question mark is in the nets and and that's just, that's always going to be, that's always going to be the case for any kind of tournament where, where a goalie hasn't had these six defensemen in front of him ever. And so it's, it's going to be exciting to watch tonight and, or sorry, this afternoon and see, uh, see what uh see what transpires there but yeah i I think that this is that this is a fine test for them and i and i think they end up coming out on top but you know it's a it's a good test to have now and then and then we get into the play-in rounds
2: to me this is where the tournament is at its best is when the games start to really matter and then we're going to get into the elimination rounds not to mention i got some money on canada winning their group so that needs to happen um But this is where things actually get interesting to me. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how Canada performs against some stiffer competition as the, as the tournament progresses. Um, I don't have a problem with the blowout games. It's a little bit boring to me, but that's, it's part of it. I don't think the tournament should be pared down. I don't think teams should be eliminated because you could see when a team like Germany progressed, how much that meant to those kids. And that's what it's really all about and i'm really looking forward to seeing how this tournament progresses and how canada canada's able to handle greater senses of adversity as we progress towards the gold medal game eventually
0: i was going to save this for hot and cold performers but i'll get it off my chest now the people and i'm not going to name names but there are some people out there in the media who love to shit on the world juniors man and I just don't get it. Like you say and you go, oh, it's not fair to Germany that they got had to sit there and get blown out by Canada and get embarrassed. Ask every single member of that German team if they would rather have a chance to play against Team Canada and play in the top tier or if they would rather go to tier two and have to beat the shit out of those teams. Every single one of them would rather be in the top tier of the world juniors and playing against the best players in their age group in the world. Every single one of them. Not one of them would want to go drop down a tier. There's a reason why countries celebrate winning the relegation round. Being in this tournament is a big deal for some of these countries, and you're not going to grow the game, and you're not going to grow other international programs by saying Canada, Sweden, Russia, USA, Finland, Czech Republic, you guys have your own tournament. The rest of you guys enjoy tier two. Like, that's not doing anything. It blows my mind that people think that's a good idea. It's a selfish take, and it's a stupid take.
2: Well and also that's that's yeah. how teams get better, right?
1: Yeah, well, unless you play I'll the say. best,
2: you're not gonna get any better. Sorry, Dan, exactly.
1: We you cut you cut back this tournament to thirty years ago, and Tyler isn't mentioning Finland in the top teams of this tournament. Tyler isn't mentioning the Czech Republic as a team that competes in this tournament. Because those teams didn't have junior programs that could compete at this level. They stuck with it. Yes, they got blown out. They get absolutely blown out by the Canadians but then they're playing against the German team and they're competing against them. It's just, it's so asinine and it's very elitist of us to say that kind of stuff because we just are further along in our evolution as a hockey country than other teams are. If you want to make this tournament better, you put, you take some of the Canadian Hockey Canada budget and you send that to other countries that need the money and need the help. Those teams become better, we become better, the tournament becomes better. Removing teams from a tournament at this point is just, absolutely shooting yourself in the foot and 100% Tyler I agree with you I went on this rant on Twitter earlier this week it's absolutely asinine it's like it's like when uh, the CHL banned the ability to draft yeah. European goaltenders that's it you're, you're asking your shooters to play against worse goaltending and become a better shooter that's not how it works you, you have to be challenged to be able to become better and this tournament is proof of that every time every year, because we see teams that come out of the woodwork and are unexpected performers. Leon dry exists because of this tournament. You know, it, it's it, these, these are, these are the things that, that just they, these players come out of nowhere because they've been able to compete and be able to push for this tournament.
0: Look at the push that Germany's made in the last few years where, you know, for how long has it been? Marco Sturm is kind of like the big German hockey name. Leon dry young, cool. and, Yeah. Like, Leon Dreisettle's young in his career. He's about to overtake. He's probably going to overtake Sturm as the highest scoring German ever this coming NHL season. But Dreisaitl, Moritz Seider, JJ Patrika, Tim Stutzla. Like, there is a ton of talent in Germany right now. And if you were to just take them because they lost 16-2 to Canada and some guy wants to have a hot take on Twitter, if you take them out of this tournament, you're killing that development. You're giving those kids... So much less to strive for. I don't want to say nothing to strive for because they're all striving for the NHL. But when you don't give them this platform, you're robbing those young players in these countries. And I I like that you use the word elitist, Dan, because it's like, oh, they're not good enough to compete with Canada. Can't come to our tournament. Like, get out of here, man. It's about more than that.
2: To me, it kind of be like, think about it this way. What if Canada won something in soccer? Nobody would expect us to win fucking anything. And it would be a very major moment for canada soccer if they progressed into a tournament or whatever we're this probably going to make
1: a world cup soon you're yeah. right beg milk you're exactly right we're probably going to make a world cup soon because of the strength of alfonso davies alfonso davies will not be able to carry us past the play-in round we're going to get murdered by brazil and our people are people going to say oh canada shouldn't be allowed to play in the world cup no that's not how it works canada earns the right to play in that tournament just like Germany earned the right to play in this tournament and they didn't turn it down. They showed up willingly and they're excited to be here. We need to stop it.
2: I I, I gotta tell you, boys, I didn't expect this to get as passionate as I did about the as it did about the the world juniors. Good for you. Passion. Tyler, Hashtag grow man. the game, baby. Grow the yeah, game indeed. Like,
0: and will any Canadians, when Canada loses nine nothing to some big soccer country at the World Cup, will will these same Canadians open their mouths on Twitter and go, Time Canada needs to get out of this World Cup thing. This is not good for Canadian soccer. Like, get real. No one's going to sit there and say the World Cup's broken. Like, come on, man.
2: Yep. All right, boys. Wrap this up. <laughs> World Junior segment today. A day, uh, the game's coming up in a little bit. However, this is being posted on Friday morning on the site. So, around the horn, we're going to do some score predictions. And you, the listener, I invite you, To really rip us if our score predictions are not very accurate. I encourage it. I want it. I know that you will not rip me because my 4-2 score is going to be perfect. 4-2 Canada wins. I'm going to go to up next on my screen is Zach Lang. Your score prediction for Canada and Finland. I'm going to say Canada wins 4-1. Okay. Okay. I got a 4-2 for me, 4-1 for Zach. Mr. Nation Dan, your score prediction. Well,
1: I predicted 3-1 against the Swiss. On inside the nation or sorry, state of the nation on Tuesday. Uh so I'm gonna say three to one Canada against Finland. Let's go. Tyler.
0: I'll be completely honest. I'm a big fan of Zach's four one prediction. Uh, but I will go five to two for Canada in this one. I think the offense price is. prices right me right now? It's either I prices right you or I give my answer, which was either gonna be four one or four two. So I'm gonna go uh Five two team Canada. They'll be up four two, and they'll sneak home a little empty netter to make sure my Canada minus two and a half goals bet cashes.
2: There you go. Canada up against Germany today again. This is being released on Friday morning. Please hit us up and tell us who has the best takes on the World Juniors. I'm liking Dan and Tyler as early front runners in this conversation. Canada going up against Finland a little bit later. Lastly, hockeycanada.ca forward slash fifty fifty. HockeyCanada.ca forward slash 5050. They are running a 5050 in Alberta only, all tournament long. As we're talking, the pot's already going up by 100 grand. Somebody tonight is going to have a very, very good New Year's Eve, and I am here for it. Just like I don't feel like cooking today, Dan, despite my love of my new air fryer. I feel like I will be ordering from our friends at skipthedishes.ca today because I'm hungry. I can't cook. And I love to have food show up at my door. Go over to skipthedishes.ca. Choose from one of the hundreds of amazing local Edmonton restaurants and pubs that you can order from. Support local. Tip your driver. Make sure that you've got some money going into the local, the local hospitality community. Go ahead, Dad.
1: Order extra bag milk so you can throw it in the air fryer tomorrow. Amen. I'd,
0: I talked about this on Real Life, but uh, for my anniversary with my girlfriend this, uh, this past week, I did Oodle Noodle on Skip the Dishes for dinner, and we had leftovers the next day in the air fryer. Perfect combo. Highly recommend. That's
2: good living. Sounds good to me. Skip the Dishes. Diego, get yourself something to eat. All right. I'm going to go back to the Oilers because the Ethan Bear contract was the only thing that got done since we last spoke. Slater Cuckoo coming in on a one-year contract. A little bit of depth. I'm going to start here with Dan because he's been talking about defensive depth for months now. Mr. Nation, Dan, your thoughts on the Slater Cuckoo one-year deal?
1: I've been begging for it. Been begging for some depth. Knew that Uncle Ken was going to hook us up. It was just a matter of time, and uh, you know the amount of free agents out there. There was going to be a deal to be made. I'm super excited to see Slater Cuckoo come in. I don't think he's going to blow the doors off of anything, but the big thing, and we've we've been talking about it ad nauseum now for for weeks about how this team, you know this this schedule is not going to be an absolute gauntlet. We saw it in the last couple weeks now. Just just broke out and, and saw the, the, like I said, the gauntlet of games that we're going to see. So injuries are going to be a real thing. These guys, the 7th and 8th defensemen, your 13th, 14th, and 15th forwards, and possibly your third string goalie, are going to be super important this year to be able to come in and replace players for stretches of game. Slater Cuckoo is just that for you. And, you know, possibly if there's a if there's a player on the left side that falters, he is a guy that can come in and play, you know, fourteen or fifteen games in that person's stead while they, they take some time off to figure it out. So it's it's a huge thing for this team to have some depth at NHL replacement level, not just the next guy up, William Ladgeson, you know, having to play above his weight class kind of thing.
2: If you are into the fancies in Chicago, you posted a uh, Slater posted a fifty two point four percent Corsi for a fifty-three point four percent goal four percentage, Mr. Zach. Lang, what did you think about this later Cuckoo tickup? Yeah, I'm okay with it. I mean, he's probably the Matt Betting replacement as sort of the sixth, seventh defenseman. Um, you know, I like Betting because he brought more offense than, than what Cuckoo does. But at the end of the day, you know, Cuckoo's a little bit more solid in his defensive zone. And I think that's what you need out of a sixth or seventh defenseman I is a guy who can come in and, and play strong hockey in his own zone and, and transition the puck up. And, you know, I think that's what Cuckoo can do for the Oilers. So, you know, it's a cheap deal, low risk. Uh, moderate reward, and how can you not be cuckoo for cuckoo?
1: Cuckoo! Yeah. Do. <laughs> yeah.
2: The, the puns are like just. Uh, first of all, how much fun is Gene Prince Bay going to have with oh. some of the new guys this year? The the just the possibilities for puns are endless. Tyler. Your thoughts on Slater Cuckoo, one year, $850,000 with the Epic Store. Good move,
0: good signing. I like having, like Dan, you know, that you want, it's going to be a year where a lot of guys are getting hurt and not even like a long-term injury. Like someone's going to get nicked up and you're going to be going into the second half of a back-to-back against whatever team. And remember, every game this year is a four-point game. So you're going to mm-hmm. want a dependable guy like Slater Cuckoo, who you know you can throw into the lineup at any given moment. And he can go give you a solid 14 minutes on the night. Handle tough matchups, like Zach said, and be good in the defensive zone. You cannot complain about this signing. If you complain about this signing, get out of here. Don't want to talk to you.
2: Another thing that happened this past week is, again, this time I'm going to start with Tyler because you're a big PTO everybody guy. Hashtag hashtag PTO everyone. Uh, But... Ken Holland extended PTOS to Devin Shore and Ryan Stanton. Stanton, I believe, has an AHL contract already for the Condors. Devon Shore, however, he could provide some reasonable depth, provided that he sticks around.
0: I think he's a perfect taxi squad candidate—a guy who can kind of play all three forward positions. Someone who's likely going to be able to squeeze through waivers as well. If you want to throw him on that taxi squad, or if maybe just give him a—or yeah, yeah—he'd have to clear through waivers, but he likely would. Um, I think he's a guy who can kill who. If you need him to slide in as your fourth-line center, he can kill penalties. He can keep up at the NHL level. I, I think this is a really smart ad. I think it's going to be more than a PTO. I think he gets a one-year deal.
2: Zach, what do you think about uh, Uncle Ken bringing in some guys on a PTO? I mean, I'm pretty lukewarm on it, to be honest. I don't I don't think Devin Shore is going to come in here and, and break down any big barriers. and I don't think he's going to even come in and beat anybody else for a job, but you know, I've I've become a little bit more lukewarm to the the PTL signing, and and Tyler, you make a good point. He could be a good PT or uh, a good taxi squad kind of a guy. You know, he's a veteran guy. He's played around the league for four, five, six years now. You know, he's put up ten goals in the season as a depth forward. So you know, you're going to need the bodies. Like guys are going to get. Like, hopefully, nobody gets COVID, but you got to prepare for that being a situation, right? And. And the injuries, too, I think, uh, you know, bringing in a guy like him, there's there's really no harm in it. Dan, you love the depth. What do you think about Uncle Ken extending a couple of PTS?
1: It's a great message to the team, right? It, you you bring in, again, another replacement level, NHL replacement level, fourth liner, and it's a message to the Jujar Karas, the Gaetan Haas of the world that, you know, if you guys don't come into the season guns ablaze and there's guys waiting to take your job from you. It's not all just going to be AHL level players. It's some actual NHL guys that, like Tyler said, they maybe can slip through the waivers and and not be uh, not be a big on anybody else's radar. But there are guys that could come in and replace a Kara if he isn't the Kara that we hope he can be.
2: To yeah, me, I think the most important thing that here is it's depth. It's depth and having legitimate NHL players as that depth and not necessarily a guy like, I mean, I'm sorry to pick on Ty Ratty, but like he was expected to be an answer for this team a little bit. And that doesn't seem to be the case on this squad. Like even our depth players have found ways to contribute at the NHL level. Like if that's, if Shore does get signed to a a contract beyond the PTO as well, I think that's so important. And that's, that's a really big difference in the organization that Ken Holland has brought in.
1: Well, and it's like you said, too, on inside the, the nation again, or sorry, state of the nation again, um, is that, you know, the in previous years, signing Drew Shore would have been a, would have been a, you know, oh, man, that's a, an everyday NHLer that we've got now for this team. Now, it's just a guy that's depth. You know, he's kind of the, the Colby Cave um, that we, we've been missing on this team. He's that same kind of role player that can come in and, and just play that spot duty and Wish, wish we had Colby here for sure, but but Shore will be a great, great player for us. I think in his spot duties.
2: Another thing I want to talk about is now former Oiler Andreas Asenius signed a deal in Los Angeles for one point two million bucks. I am going to start on this one saying, "Who oh boy was I wrong on where the Asenius thing is going to end up?" Now the revisionist history, the revisionists out there are pretending that a lot of us weren't necessarily excited about Andreas Athanasiou being traded here for the two second-round picks and Sam Gagne at the deadline. I tweeted out the link to the article Zach wrote on deadline day about that trade. And if you look through the comment section, I would say vastly more people than not were excited about the potential for adding another guy with 30 goals on his NHL resume to the team. It did not work out. That is not... At all news to anybody listening to this. However, it is interesting that he signed for 1.2 million in LA as opposed to getting anywhere close to the three million dollars that the Oilers would have had to extend as a qualifying offer. I'll be the first to admit I thought that maybe trying to move a guy like Chase on to create some space, they should have maybe uh, qualified him to try and see if they could do anything with it. I was wrong.
1: Yeah, based me too. On well, maybe Ken, you weren't.
2: Based on what Ken Holland did with the space that it would have taken to sign Athanasiu, based on the players he brought in with that space, based on the amount of guys he uh, that he was able to acquire for the cost of a Athanasiu and a Matt Benning, which would have been about $5 bucks, I was wrong. I was wrong. Tyler, you're up.
0: Yeah, I, I was wrong a little bit too. Like I was open to the idea of qualifying Athanasiu and Benning, but... Ken Holland clearly knew what the market was going to be like this year because he opted not to. And with that $5 bucks, I mean, it wasn't all of it, but that really helped him get Barry, Turris, Cahoon, Ennis, puglia Like, that cap flexibility, he used it to his advantage. And at the end of the day, the Oilers are in a way better spot right now than they would have been if they would have qualified both those guys. So I, I was wrong on Athens CU. when they acquired him. I said, hey, this is a guy who is going to help you for a playoff push. And he's going to be here for a few years down the road as well. And he's going to be a top six winger. And, and I bought in 100%. But then the pandemic hit. And then the captain go up $6 million. And then Athens CU really never got comfortable here in the bubble. And it was just so many things that rolled into one. And I, you know what? I even struggle saying that the people who loved the Athens CU thing at first were wrong. Because the, yep. you'll never know if the pandemic didn't happen, which Ken Holland didn't know that was going to happen at the deadline, if that doesn't happen, this plays out totally differently, in my opinion.
2: And, and yep. You're exactly right. Dan, before I hit up you next, I know you've been vocal about it on social media. I think this is just a, like trying to double down to make that trade work could have arguably blown up in Ken Holland's face way worse than it would be to just let see you walk away. We're talking about the sunk cost fallacy, and it's just you can't double and triple down just to try and make your bet work. And I think that's what it would have been, especially if he had to qualify him at three million bucks plus, I whatever the whatever the increase is, just like ten percent or something like that. That would have been that would have been a heavy bet to make with no cap space, Dan. Yeah. Well, I think you guys are also being
1: hard on yourselves because I also do believe that Ken Holland probably explored the option of trading Chase on somewhere else and making that deal, and it just probably wasn't available to him. I have to believe that that you know everything we've seen from Holland, he explores all options. And so, yeah, I, I, I think you guys are being hard on yourselves for that. But, but again, I said it on Inside the Nation, that, that March the 15th date, the world changed. And we can't pretend that that didn't happen. You can't pretend that, that everything didn't shift from that moment to now, where the cap is different than it was then, back then, or was supposed to be back then. The, the players that were available are different than they were supposed to be back then. Tyler Ennis was not expected to make a million dollars this year. Like he was, he was projected to be up in the threes and the fours. We thought he was just a, a signing for the off season, and then and then he'd be gone. So it's there's so much that has changed in our world, and we can't lose sight of that. For the fact that you know, yes, it would be nice to have FNSU on this team, but he just didn't fit into the to the scheme, and you know, he went to a team in LA, which is really not going to make a lot of noise in that West Division this year. So he's not really on a, comp- a competing team he got his money he'll go prove his worth and hopefully be able to get that contract next year but I, I don't think you guys are necessarily being fair to yourselves in the sense that I think that to a person everybody was excited about this trade everybody's excited about the player that a fantasy you could be and has been in in flashes in the past but he's just not he's not in the plans this year and Ken Holland went a different way and I think Ken Holland went a way where you compete for the playoffs and you compete to be able to be the team that comes out of the Canadian division this year.
2: Does it suck to lose two second round picks in this trade that only ended up with 13 games? Of course. But I think you also have to look at what Ken Holland has done since making the decision to cut bait. Zach, finish us off on Athens to you. Give us the breakdown. I think it's absolutely time to lay this to bed. Finally. Like we've talked so much about Athens to you and so much about what happened. You know, when the Oilers made the move to acquire Athens, he, we were, like you guys said, you know, looking to bring in a guy who could be a future top six winger for the Oilers with speed, who's put up 30 goals, somebody who, yeah, okay, sure, he has some defensive lapses, but he still had a lot to learn in the NHL. You know, at the end of the day, the bet didn't pay out largely because of a pandemic, right? Like, if if we didn't have a pandemic, we'd be sitting here getting ready for our, our New Year's Eve game against whoever the hell we were playing, and Afinasi would be a part of this team because the cap was supposed to go up to upwards of $88 million this year in the NHL. And you could have kept a guy like Afinasi around. And I think it was bagged to note you said you, you made a great great point too, like by not doubling down on this bet. I mean, like, again, not to, to, to beat a dead horse too much here, but imagine if Peter Chiarelli was the order's general manager, what the hell would have happened? It would have been chaos because he would have tried to double or triple down on that bet like he did with, Jordan Everly and like he did with acquiring defensemen in that two month span before he got fired from the Oilers job. So, you know, I think we're lucky to have a guy like Holland who said, Okay, like it didn't work out, let's 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 call it a wash and let's move forward from it, right? I mean, you know, I am a big Alex Chason fan. I'm absolutely an apologist of his. I think he's a great fourth line winger who can step in on the power play and, and put up some points. And and, you know, I think at the end of the day, after the seed didn't quite do enough here to to even be worth it and you know i think the oilers that offered him a, a one-year deal around 2.2 million dollars um this past year too to keep him around and he thought he could have a better opportunity or get more money elsewhere and well hey look what happened right i mean so many teams were on a cap crunch and look how long it's taken for guys to sign right like mike hoffman's just getting that pto now and he's probably going to sign for a four million dollar deal it's kind of crazy the way that everything's shaken down, but uh, I think it's time to finally lay that after the C.E.O. era to bed. It is weird, right? It's it's one of those ones where you can't, you have to separate the trade at the time that it went down in February at the deadline day with what has happened in the months since. But it seems like there's a lot of people that just can't do that right now, and it's I think we have to. And Zach, I think you put it very very well. Athenasiou is now a Los Angeles King. We'll see how he does. Maybe he has himself a good year. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? We'll find out in time. But what I do know is that the Oilers did a bunch with that $3 bucks it would have cost to keep him. And I'm excited about the opportunity to watch those guys that Ken Holland brought in. So it is what it is. It is what it is. I hope all the best for Andreas Athens, to you. He's an Oilers-led. Uh, our boy Zach, or uh, not Zach, Josh Park will have a video bidding him farewell going up on social media today. I watched it this morning. It is fucking hilarious. I mean, it's sad, but it is hilarious. Uh, before we get to our hot and cold performers to wrap up this week's podcast, I also want to mention uh, a former Oiler that announced his retirement this past week, Mark Letestu. The guy was a beauty in the bottom six in his time in edmonton he moonlit on the power play at the half wall he set a career high in goals in edmonton he had himself a hell of a time i've got one of my favorite videos of all time is from when the nation went to winnipeg we got a whole bar chanting mark Testu's name it was wonderful i just want to go around the horn very very quickly just some thoughts on Mark Latestu's retirement and even some memories on his short time here with you.
0: I loved him, man. Elk Point's finest. Uh, anytime you get an Alberta boy and an Alberta Junior Hockey League product as well. Shout out to uh, the former Bonneville Pontiac, Mark Letetsu. Uh Yeah, he's just a beauty and a big part of that 2017 run. And you love seeing, like, in the moment, those depth guys who have their career years. Like a guy like Latessu who fought so hard to get there, For him to have that one season where he was such a big part of a playoff team, he outscored McDavid in the playoffs that year, man. Like, it's unreal. I loved having him here in Edmonton and just a great pro. You'll never hear anyone say a bad thing about Mark Latetsu and the interactions they have with him. So uh, stick taps all around on a great career from Mark. Nation
1: Dan, Mark Latetsu. Well, we talked about it a few times in the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about glue guys on this team and, and Latestu always strikes me as one of those glue guys. He was just a guy that, you know, like you guys said, he, he keeps you, uh, keeps you interested with those third and fourth line minutes and, and being able to rack up the points, but he's also just a good guide or have around your team. And, you know, like Tyler said, he's outscoring Connor McDavid in the playoffs. And I'm sure he didn't take a chance to, to uh, remind Connor of that every once in a while, you know, that, that should have uh, right. able to do that. To. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you earned that right in that time. And, and those are the guys that we look back on years later from these playoff runs where you, you, you know, it, it's the Rem Murray's of the, uh, of the 06 playoff run the Daniel Tarnquists, where it's guys that you just kind of forget, but then you look back fondly on. And so, yeah, all the best to him in retirement and, and just
2: a, a pleasure to have him in the Oilers blue for what we did. Zach, your thoughts on awesome. Mark? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I can add anything more than you guys said, you know, an absolute blue guy. He's great in the room, uh, a great veteran to have around the Oilers and um, yeah, all the best to him and the uh, next adventures. 220 games with the Edmonton Oilers, 35 goal or 34 goals, 45 assists for 79 points. That's not too bad for a bottom six guy. Set his career high in the 2016-17 season with 16 goals and 19 assists for 35 points. That is a solid little season for a guy who's a depth player. We tip our caps to you Mark Latestu. We wish you all the best in retirement that is a hell of a career that is 11 years in the NHL 567 total games for 210 points between CBJ that is Tyler's team two the Pittsburgh Penguins Edmonton Oilers and finally seven games with the Winnipeg Jets so i can't imagine it's going to be long until mark latteschi finds his way behind the bench at some level i don't know if you if anybody can remember off the top of their head but when he spoke to the media post game pre game whatever Probably one of the best quotes on the team from that time. He was very, very smart player. And I just want to give him a little tip of the cap, Mark Latesti. We appreciate you. Tyler, it is time to get your buttons ready, my friends, because we are looking at the Tourism Jasper. Hot and cold performers of the week. It is the perfect time to head out to Jasper. Not only is the weather very nice here in Alberta, but they also give you a plenty, plenty of outdoor options to do, be it Cross-country skiing, skiing at Marmot, some snowshoeing, checking out the town itself. Jasper is the place to be this winter, and we encourage you to get out to the mountains and enjoy our beautiful, beautiful scenery in our province. As we do every day, every week, boys, we start off with our veggies in the cold on the hot cold performance. We're starting with the downside of the past seven days of our life. Zach, you are joining us as a special guest this week. I'm going to start with you. Your Tourism Jasper Cold Performer of the Week. Now, you know, you are going to be my Cold Performer of the Week here for a certain tweet that you sent out yesterday saying that you might not be eating beets after Oilers' losses this year. And I don't know how to feel about that, and I know you have some thoughts on it, but uh, I think you're ice cold for that take, my friend. What the hell is going on?! Well, Zach, I think we just found a solution. Just on real life, right before we started recording this, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it here. Go listen to the real life podcast that we just recorded right before starting this. But, Zach, to give you a little teaser, broadcast ain't going anywhere, and this year may get weirder than any of the past years. So, I love while, weird. Well, the beats may or may not be a part of those post games there will be some interesting shenanigans going on if the Oilers lose. Dan, you are on mute. I'm coming to you. You're next up for our Tourism Jasper, Cold Performer of the Week.
1: Cold Performer of the Week is going to go out to all those non-Oiler fans who are complaining about our Oilers goal horn. (laughs) Watching the World Juniors has been an absolute slice for everybody outside of Edmonton who hate to hear our goal horn, and I just want them to keep going. I don't want them to stop. They're my cold performer, but I don't want them to stop. Because if you go to an opposing team's barn or you watch a game in an opposing team's barn and you enjoy listening to their goal horn, there's something wrong with you. Yep. And that's okay. It's okay to be wrong. But I absolutely love the hatred that our goal horn has created. And so keep it going. Oilers goal horn haters, my cold performer of the week.
2: Y'all stink. What was that?
0: Y'all stink, Stephen A. Smith.
2: Y'all stink. Tyler, your tourism Jasper cold the week.
0: Hey, I got the World Junior hate off my chest earlier. Uh, this is something, I'm not gonna have a button for this one or anything, but it's something I wanted to say on one of the two podcasts uh, that we that we did here today. But as we wrap up 2020, we talked a lot about our favorite memories. We're all getting excited about looking towards uh, the next NHL season, the next season for the Edmonton Oilers. But I think when you look back on 2020. Uh, something something that we want to sort of keep in mind and especially as we head into next season is uh the two losses that the Oilers organization had uh losing Joey Moss, losing Colby Cave as well. I mean, Colby Cave, I both of them like Colby Cave such a young guy who would have been coming into an NHL training camp this year looking to earn a spot. It would have been such an exciting time for him like he, he, I'm thinking about him right now as we look back on 2020 and Joey Moss as well, someone whose legacy is so big with this organization and we're gonna head into a year now where you're not gonna see Joey Moss high five and the players coming off after a big win or something like that. So um I I just wanted to say that. Like as we wrap up 2020, I think it's important to keep those two guys in our mind because we're gonna be heading into an NHL season that obviously would have meant a lot to the both of them.
2: I couldn't have said it better myself, buddy. I uh for my cold performer of the week, I'm just going to agree with everything Tyler just said. Uh, Colby Cave will be missed he was the kind of guy that by all accounts everybody loved cheering for and playing with and the fact that we're ending the year without both he and Joey Moss is, is tough it's tough and it's unfortunate and it hurts the Oilers family, it hurts the weather's community and that's where I'm just going to end it off so we're going to go flip to the other side of the margin, we're going to flip to our bright side from the past seven days or even the year as a whole I'm going to flip the order, Mr. Talia Remchuk, your Tourism Jasper Hot Performer of the Week.
0: The Oilers, you know, went out early in the qualifying round, and the Toronto Raptors, they went out fairly early in their playoffs as well. But one of my teams has been doing tremendous things this season, and it is my boys in <laughs> blue. It is Josh Allen, <laughs> Stefan Diggs, and my beautiful <laughs> Buffalo Bills, who are not only heading to the postseason, but they are the two seed in the AFC. I think they're going deep, and you know what? I think they got a shot to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm willing to say that my Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl (laughs) contenders this year. I love them. Also, they won me a lot of money throughout the year. And my boys, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, I needed 47 points from them last week to win my fantasy football championship. They put up close to 80 combined for me. I could not love them enough. Shout out to the Buffalo Bills. I am fired up for the postseason. If anyone knows where I can get a red Stefan Diggs jersey, let me know because I want one desperately. Go Bills. They're my hot performers of the week.
2: I like this right here.
0: Fade your M-Chuck.
2: Ah. Everybody fade your M-Chuck. Uh, Mr. Nation, Dan, you are up next. Your are Tourism Jasper, a hot performer of the week.
1: Well, it's just going to, I know, Beg Milk, you've got a bigger one going, but I just wanted to say a big thank you to, to everybody that listens to this podcast. Uh, to everybody that participates in this podcast that's zach that's coom that's rick that's tyler that's bag milk uh even jay has been spliced in there a couple times and then it's to our guests who have you know when we have these listeners you guys make it possible for us to be able to bring on some special guests we've had gene principe on this year we've had jordan tutu lally tour kelly kelsey mitchell brock sagan jillian fisher we've had george the rock on in the past we've got um his name is escaping me right now. Uh, Yeah. Rob shrimp. Like it's just, it's what a, what a neat year to look back on for us. Uh, Jordan Tutu definitely sticks out for me. I know it was just recently, Um, but, but to everybody involved with this podcast from listeners, right to the guests, right to you guys uh, sitting across the screen from me, uh, you guys are my hot performer, the 2020 and we'll keep it going into 2021. Put some respect
2: on my name. Zach. You are third up, your Tourism Jasper Hot Performer of the Week or year, whatever you choose. Uh, my Hot Performer of the Week, I'm going to stick with the NFL theme that Tyler had laid down, uh, going with my Chicago Bears, who are red hot right now. We're on a nice little four game win streak. My boy Mitch Trubisky is showing everybody what he's made out of, and uh, looking for a big win this weekend to uh, sneak into those NFC playoffs. And Tyler, by the way, smoking hot. Smoking hot. Uh, Tyler, something you'll be excited to hear. Uh, I've officially made the Buffalo Bills as of last week my number two team in the NFL. I've been looking for an AFC team for a while. One of my best friends and I have watched a bunch of Bills games together on Zoom this year and uh, I'm officially hopping on the Bills Mafia bandwagon.
0: I like that. Jumping through the Bills Mafia table. Good stuff.
2: Uh, Zach, I won't tell you that I just bet against the Bears on real life. Uh, That was a thing that may or may not have happened just (laughs) probably about an hour ago. But I'm gonna finish this off, Dan alluded to it. My Tourism Jasper Hot Performer of the Year is Nation Citizen. Uh, This afternoon, this morning, I don't remember when I posted it, I wrote an article at othersnation.com just saying thank you. This year has unquestionably, undoubtedly, 1000% been the weirdest year of all of our lives. And without the amazing support of Nation Citizens, be it readers of the website, listeners of the podcast followers on social media none of us would be able to do what we're doing right now and i just want to spend a couple of minutes just saying thank you thank you for reading all of our bullshit zach i'm going to throw to you on this as well this year there was two there were two off seasons essentially there were two extended gaps of time where there was just no hockey and for us we made it a a point as a company to really sort of focus on having fresh content up every single day to make sure that people had a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of normalcy in their life. And for a lot of us, the people actually writing the content, Tyler's on here, Zach or Dan's on here, we're all writing stuff for the website. It wasn't so much normal for us. Normally, we get to report on what the Oilers are doing as a hockey team, and it's very, very easy. It's very fun. News comes out every other day. News comes out every day. There's a game to write about, but this year it it turned into an extended creative writing exercise. It turned into a lot of brainstorming ideas. It turned into a lot of projections. It turned into a lot of articles that wouldn't normally be written outside of an off-season scenario. And I just want to say thank you very very quickly to everybody that listens to the podcast, that reads the website, and make sure that we can do what we continue to do, and just for being a part of the nation as a whole the community behind this website behind these podcasts is truly incredible and the fact that we got the support we did despite the fact that there was no hockey to speak of for months on end was truly incredible and i just want to say thank you thank you from all of us at the nation thank you from my team that reports to me in terms of just writing content thank you for all of the sites across the network and zach i'll just throw it to you this wasn't easy, man. You mentioned earlier that you wrote 1,200 posts across the network this year. And I guarantee you that the bulk of those were not easy. So I just want to say thank you to the nation and let Zach finish this off with just kind of like a look at what it was like behind the scenes for all of us on the content team to try and make this work during global pandemic. It's, uh, yeah, you're you're 100% right. Uh, thank you to you and everybody else who's read, uh, who's worked with us, who's helped us along the way. I... Gotta say, it's been probably the toughest years of my career, and it's also been probably the most fulfilling uh, to have been able to create so much content that people genuinely enjoyed and people genuinely uh, came to all of uh, the Nation Network websites and continued to read. You know, I know there's been some really tough days in our Slack chats trying to come up with content ideas, and and there's some days where we just kind of had to throw our hands up in the air and say, well, fuck, there's there's nothing to, to write about right now. You know, I think out of the whole year, November was probably the toughest month in terms of content um, solely because there was nothing going on. Nothing. You know, we had no ability to speculate on return to play like we did earlier in the year. We had no way to do our our player profiles because those were already done earlier this year. Um, You know, but we we kept our heads down and we kept chugging along. And I think we did a hell of a job um, in trying to, um, you know, keep there being fresh content on all these sites. Um, So, you know, big shout out to our entire Nation Network staff, uh, our site editors, David Quadrelli at Canucks Army, Ryan Pike at Flames Nation, uh, John are over at uh, Lease Nation as well, and all of the other people behind the scenes and all of the writers throughout and across the network. I, I can't thank all of you guys enough for being such a great group to work with this year. And uh just for people that are listening to this podcast right now, Tyler, I don't expect any accurate numbers from you because I'm putting this putting you on the spot here, but the fact that Oilers Nation Radio was able to grow yeah. in a year when there was probably 6 minutes of actual hockey being played is pretty special.
0: Yeah, man, like I mean just watching continuing watching how the numbers stayed steady and then watching how hard they sort of spiked up when the Oilers came back From uh came back from their hiatus and into the playoff bubble and then just watching it continue to grow from there. Like it's great that there's still so many people out there that even maybe when it's not an Oilers Game Day, they're hungry for Oilers content. And I think that says a lot about how much nation citizens love this hockey team, man.
1: Yeah, well, unless we forget exactly, Tyler. Like we had we had one ON radio podcast that was during the playoffs. Yeah. We did one episode. Like it's you know, and that's that's that would have been an easy excuse for oiler fans to just check out and be like, I'm done listening about this team until next season when they play meaningful hockey again, and we wouldn't have blamed them for that. But you're absolutely, you guys are absolutely right. The oiler fans are the best. They stick through it through thick and thin. They listen to us talk about Arby's, beef and cheds, and and you know all the other nonsense that we talk about, but we also get to talk about meat meaningful stuff and and fun stuff with the Oilers and and it's it's because people listen it's because people engage it's because people pay attention so it's Oilers fans are the best and it's just an honor to be able to to you know broadcast and work with them
2: from all of us at Oilers Nation from all of us on Oilers Nation Radio my Tourism Jasper hot performer of the week is every single one of you that listens that clicks that reads that retweets we cannot say thank you enough you are my hot performers of the year.
0: I didn't have a button ready. Sorry.
2: You are my hot performer. <laughs> uh, all right. Before we end this off, around the horn, real quick, we're going to take one specific Edmonton Oilers player and we are going to give them a New Year's resolution for 2021. And that is how we end off our podcast for the year 2020. Mr. Tyler Remchuk, producer of the podcast, producer of the Real Life podcast, producer mm-hmm. of the Oilers Game Day podcast. Yes. Your New Year's resolution for a specific player,
0: please. Okay, I got a couple of them, but I'm not going to use two because that would be unfair to everyone going after me. My resolution, you know what? I'm going to give it to Connor McDavid. My resolutions for Connor McDavid. Connor, shoot the puck more, man. Teams are going to be paying a lot of attention to Leon Dreisaitl this year. I want you to flex your goal-scoring muscles. Connor McDavid, I want you to track down a Rocket Richard trophy. I want you to show the NHL that not only is your vision deadly, not only is your speed deadly, but your shot is as well. Connor McDavid, my resolution to you. Shoot that
1: puck more.
2: Nation Dan, pick a player and a New Year's resolution for that player, please.
1: Miko Koskinen, our monster fin the man that they cheer for across the world, Miko Koskinen. Miko Koskinen. I want you to walk into your net, and I want you to look at that net and say, "You know what? For the rest of my NHL career, this is my net. The Edmonton Oilers need a number one goaltender, and I am going to be it. I am Miko Koskinen, and this is my year.
2: Miko Koskinen, number
1: one goaltender. That's my New Year's resolution."
2: Zach Lyon, pick a player in a New Year's resolution for 2021. I'm actually not going with a player, and you guys are really going to like this one, but my New Year's resolution is for Dave Tippett to bring back the stash. Bring oh, back the stash. Please, 100%. Dave. Please. Actually, I think I saw his wife, Wendy, had commented somewhere on Instagram or something like that, where she actually said she would like him to bring back the stash as well. So Dave, if you're listening to this, I know you're probably not, but if you are by chance. He does, of course he does. Please, he does course. Dave, please, we beg of you to please bring back the tip sash.
1: Dave great... it's actually Dave Tippett's actually confirmed it to me at uh, at the Spectre Golf Tournament that his wife loves the mustache, so he's the only thing holding this back.
2: What Dave, do you come mean? on man? You're kill- Dave, you're killing me by He's you're gonna do us, it
0: man. and it's gonna have to stay under a mask all year on the bench.
2: It's going to be great. I can't wait to see it. I just want to see it creeping up the side. My New Year's resolution is, of course, I'm on brand. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, listen, buddy. Get an air fryer. I'm up. Well, first of all, (laughs) get an air fryer. You'll eat well, it'll be a little bit healthier. You'll get all the fries you want without the oil. Now, Ryan, we're getting to crunch time, buddy. My New Year's resolution for Ryan Nugent Hopkins is to keep an open mind and a willingness to stick with the team that drafted him and his career as an Edmonton Oiler sign a contract that keeps Newt forever that's it I don't know if that's a resolution but that's a wish it is that's a goal a wish Uh, from all of us here on the podcast to our friends at Sherwood for the Giant Hockey Canada SkipTheDishes.ca and Tourism Jasper thank you so much for listening to Oilers Nation Radio all year long Thank you much, so much for riding with us, for the reviews. Thank you for being here. Thank you for telling us we suck. And thank you for joining in whenever we ask you for some feedback. You guys are great. This is probably one of the most fun podcasts I get to do every week. It's just a weather's talk with the boys. It's a great time. I can't wait for the season to start in 13 days. It is going to be great. We've deserved this. We've earned this. Thank you for listening. Please keep giving us podcast reviews. Please keep telling your friends about Oilers Nation Radio. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. You deserve it.
1: Shout out, Damien.
2: Best wishes.
1: Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts.
0: Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well.